Good evening, good evening. I hope you're doing well. It's Stefan Molyneux from... Well, you know, we are the inner circle. We are the elite, the Jedi of the future empire of reason. So I'm not even going to tell you where I'm from, man. I'm not going to tell you where I'm coming from, but I'm going to tell you where we're going to. Yes, that's right. We're going to planet rationality, my friends, and it is going to be a shocking transition. This is going to blow your mind in the way that only the big chatty forehead can do. So, good evening. Let's uh, do a couple of greet-outs and shout-outs and hello-outs. A wild Molyneux appears. Hello, J. Lu Chen. Hello, Barber. We're live. D-Live. What? To the moon. <laughs> good evening, Steph. Mark Moogle, good evening to you as well. And um, I'm not doing politics anymore, but we're going to be not wildly outside the vicinity, I guess you could say. Hello, Matt. Hello, So Tabrizi. Hello, Summerifica. Hello, Runeblade. That'd be a good D&D day, man. Hello from DC. Freezing and cold. Redundant and redundant. Soulless. Uh, do you notice how they say, you know, you don't need guns and you don't need walls, but the moment they feel threatened in D.C., what goes up? Um, well, uh, walls and uh, armed guards. <laughs> funny funny that that works. Hello from Arkansas. Arkansas? <laughs> it's like when I went to um, Australia and I said, well, here we are in Melbourne. It's like, no, no, it's Melbourne. It's Melbourne. It's a bun. A little politese. Oh, yeah, that's right. Chef Boyard one Hello, Steph. Hello, Jacob. Hello, SFAD Webs 1331. I'm sure that's something <laughs> that I don't know about. Agent Lost, Starscream Regent. Hello. Just for reference, it's pronounced so ad. Oh, not sewed. So it's like you pronounce, oh, look, there's a frog and a toe ad. All right. Good evening from Nashville. Good evening. Gristle, good evening, Merida Five. Good evening, Nikisma. <laughs> Hello from Brisbane. Um, what do you remember that? Um, it's an old movie. I think it's called Top Secret. And uh, in it, there's this woman with huge tracts of land. And um, she says, My name is Helga. And the man says, uh, I don't know. What does that mean? And she says, Oh, uh, she whose breasts defy gravity. And uh, she says, what is your name? Uh, Nick. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know, just something my father thought of while he was shaving. <laughs> you make me laugh. Love it. Canadian oil. Hello. Hi, ETF. Hello, typo. <laughs> Circus Boomerang. Hi there. Good evening. Good evening from the Batcave. Ooh. Do you know how you know when like, there were a whole bunch of people who were kicking around? Uh, in uh, China, trying to figure out the source, of course, of COVID. And, um, you know, when they say, well, we're here as honored guests of the Chinese government, you just know that truth isn't going to be anywhere near the vicinity of what it is that they're going to end up talking about. So, just wanted to mention that. No truth will be found. No truth will be found at all. Ah, let's see here. Steph, please do more movie and TV reviews. So many great titles. It would be great to hear your take on. Because, you know, here's the thing, though, man. Here's the thing. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, by the way, you can get me on Trovo now. 
You can get me on Trovo. Uh, that's Trovo.live. Uh, just do a search for uh, Freedom Man, and I'm there, baby. I'm there. Hi from the new capital of North Korea, London. Just saw that Val Kilmer movie last night. Laugh out loud. What is GOAT? I see that a lot. Uh, more movie reviews? Um, more movie reviews. Um, they're kind of boring now, though, right? I mean, the, 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 the plots are very predictable. The characters are very predictable. You know, every time there's a black guy, he's a genius, and he's wonderfully wise, and he's smart, and he's professional. And every time there's a villain, it's a bad guy and a Russian. I mean, it's really so boring and predictable. You're going to get the endless pushes for interracial romances. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that statistically, they're pretty small in number in the low single digits, but they're everywhere. And so it's really an agenda that's being pushed. And um, every time you see parenting, the parents are going to be having a bad time, even though statistically now the data has come out that um, most people feel that they really, really desperately wish that they'd had more kids, right? So, oh, greatest of all time? <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> Very kind of you. Thank you. All right. Just because of that, uh, just because of that, I'm taking my shirt off. <gasps> if it's greatest of all time, that means no shirt. Uh, nip. Nip. There we go. There's a nip. And look at that. You get to see at least 12 of my 13 chest hairs. There we go. Greatest of all time. No shirt. That's it, man. Because I hear when you're live streaming, if you take your shirt off, you can make a lot of money. So remember when I had pride? No. No, no, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Uh, when it's not going on <laughs> YouTube. No shirt, no shows, no philosophy. That's right. Why is everyone talking about the Mandalorian series? Have you seen it? I have not. Oh, review of Dr. Zhivago. That would be great. That'd be great. Have you heard that punk cover of Rocket Man? Worth checking out. All right. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe. Virtue signaling movies and TV programs as well. One of my favorite old movies is Philadelphia Story. You mean it's, the old, it's a very old black and white one, right? You just reminded me of a German goalkeeper from the 80s when you took off your shirt. Oh, you, you're just trying to get me to take off my shirt again, aren't you? All right, that's it. Pants! <laughs> well, I mean, it's always the great mystery. Steph, why do you zoom in so much when you do your live streams? Because there's nothing better than your ball sack on vinyl, don't you think, when you're just sitting in a chair? That's about it, right? <laughs> Speaking of goalkeepers. Review old movies? Yeah, I, I could do some of that. I could do, uh, I could do some of that. So uh, we'll see about that. All right. Anything else uh, before we dive in to, to our topic for this evening? Tits or GTFO? Steph has a torso. Confirmed. <laughs> Where does this impeachment sham lead us towards these coming days slash weeks? Have you seen My Dinner with Andre? A terrifying movie. Absolutely. I saw it many, many, many years ago. It's with Wallace Shawn and guy whose name I can never remember. And uh, it's a conversation with a mystic and a guy who's vaguely sensible, and the mystic is completely terrifying. So, uh, Just rewatched Lord of War? Is that the Nick Cage movie? This isn't OnlyFans, Steph. Don't box me in, baby. If I'm going to go topless, I'm going to go topless. Uh, any thoughts on the Clubhouse app? Seems very dumbed-down conversation. I don't really know much about it. Sorry, I can't really... Uh, Everyone is talking about the Mandalorian because bringing back Luke Skywalker, who is considered by many to be the greatest hero. 
Uh, is he really a hero? Uh, Lord of War, that's the one that's got an amazing beginning uh, where um, the Lord of War, it's a pretty bad movie as a whole, but the beginning is really, really gripping. It's worth watching the first, I don't know, minute or two minutes of the movie because it's not a spoiler. It's a bullet being manufactured and all the stages it goes through before it finally goes into someone's head in Africa. It's really, really quite, uh, quite powerful. So, uh, good morning. Uh, I'm supposing you're not in my time zone then, because it ain't morning to me. It's sunrise for reason, but it's not, in fact, morning. So, good morning. Respect to Taco. Well, who doesn't? Really, frankly. Steph has gone mad with power. Uh, no, if I was going to go mad with power, it would have happened when I had power uh, back back in the days before the deplatforming. Heroism is in short supply. Um, Steph, I know you said you didn't want to reveal what you use for crypto, but can you tell us what not to do in regards to starting out in, oh, in crypto? Well, I mean, just, just, you got to look up security. You got to look up, uh, um, if you want anonymity and so on, freedomain.com forward slash donate. Thank you. Havenwood. I really, really appreciate that. It's very kind. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. Uh, spoiler, we take, we take crypto. It's more fun than going mad without power. Well, that's probably true. All right. So, shall we, uh, shall we dive in, my friends? Shall we dive into our topic for this evening? Ooh, it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. Thoughts on moving on white, thoughts on moving on white males moving abroad to places like Vietnam, Taiwan, Southeast Asia, since they have more financial and political freedom. You are not uh, obliged to, to stand and fight for freedom in a place where you can't possibly win. And, and whether you can or cannot possibly win peacefully and verbally and so on is up to each person to decide for himself or herself and uh but yeah if you want to bug out man bug out you know if, if it, you, you you've got one life to live you've got uh, and there's no point throwing yourself into a furnace of, of propaganda and uh doxing and god knows whatever can go on these days right well, yeah, I mean, so the impeachment thing, uh, obviously, it's to keep people's focus on Trump while endless executive orders pour in. Uh, they don't have much to um, talk about that's got any legitimacy uh, or positivity for the American public. So they got to keep talking about Trump. And of course, they want to uh, kill the MAGA movement by putting him in a situation where he can't legally run for office again. So that's probably... All of it. All future donations will be in crypto. I just converted 33% of my savings into Bitcoin. Do you think it's possible to have a relationship with your parents who emotionally abused you on no way to recover it? I am sorry to hear that. I'm really, really sorry to hear that. So one of the things that happens when you get abused as a child that happened to me and probably happened to you is that you end up taking way too much responsibility. If you've ever grown up with a parent who you have this shocking realization, I'll tell you two things that are really, really sad. Number one, you have the shocking realization when you're growing up that your parent is barely a child, himself or herself or both, right? I remember seeing that with my mom. Uh, just basic regulation, hygiene, organization, just, just chaos every morning, right? I, I would wake up in the morning and she'd have these high heels on. She'd be running up and down the hardware floor of our little apartment. She couldn't find things. She was late. It was just a big mess and a big problem. And she just couldn't get anything organized. And you just realize that you're dealing with an adult infant. And so what happens is you end up taking on way too much responsibility. It's one of my flaws. Uh, John, and this isn't one of these flaws like, you know, you 
you're in a job interview and somebody says, uh, oh, what are your biggest flaws? It's like, oh, I'm too much of a perfectionist. And like, I mean, that's a genuine flaw. I take on too much responsibility. And uh, pulling back from that level of responsibility is really healthy, really important. So if you grow up with abusive parents, you end up taking on way too much responsibility. You end up saying, well, because they'll try and convince you. They say, well, the reason why I abused you is because you did something wrong. You didn't listen. You talked back. You were in with the wrong crowd. You were doing the wrong thing. You didn't do your chores. They will say that the causal reason for their abuse of you was you. In other words, you run their brain. You run their life. You run their mouth. You are in control of them, which is the complete inverse of what the parent-child relationship is supposed to be because the parent is supposed to be largely in control and in charge and older and wiser and smarter, at least uh, more knowledgeable, right? So your parents will, abusive parents, abusive societies will constantly tell you that everything is your fault. I mean, this is how you know we live in a primordial soup of verbal abuse, particularly we white males, right? I mean, uh, because we're told we're responsible for all the ills in the world. We're the reason why the third world is poor. We're the reason why there's racism. We're the reason why there was slavery. We're the reason, it's just verbal abuse, verbal abuse, verbal abuse, verbal abuse, all that happens. And any success we have was unearned because privilege, it's all absolute. I mean, if you've grown up with verbally abusive people, you recognize that the media is just trying to Stockholm syndrome vast swaths of society into self-doubt, self-loathing, self-hatred so that they kind of stand up for their own preferences and interests. Again, I'm talking peacefully because this is the world that we live in right now. So the reason I'm, I'm saying, oh, the second sad thing, I was just thinking about this yesterday. My daughter is one quarter my mother. <laughs> my daughter is one quarter my mother. Now, my mother, a uh, very, very bad person, and she's suffering enormously because of that, and I'll sort of get into the whole conscience thing a little bit later, but my daughter is one quarter. Now, my daughter, I mean, I could do hours on, she's just, she's the coolest. She is so smart. She is so funny. She is so skeptical. She is so instinctive in her thinking. It's really a beautiful thing to watch. Her getting to the conclusion is like if you pour water on a heap of rocks, or down the side of a mountain, the water will simply find the fastest way to the bottom, and she's just <laughs> sluice of water. I mean, she is the coolest person I know. And I, you know, I know some pretty cool people, but my daughter is, like, amazing to me every single day. She is so much fun. And anyway, she just, she really makes me laugh, and is a, is a genuine and, and essential joy to my life. Now, my mother was quite the opposite, right? I mean, horrendous abuser, physical, emotional, verbal, and so on, right? And the idea that my daughter is one quarter my mother, and my daughter is one of my two favorite people in the world, the other being my wife, of course, and that my mother is someone I have not seen in over 20 years because I finally had to disengage from this drag down to mental illness and and uh, uh, self-abuse and just crazy, crazy stuff. So to th it helps me understand how powerful the environment is. Like my mother grew up in the Second World War and was, I believe, uh, assaulted or, or raped by communist soldiers and was on the run from the Nazis with her family as a whole. It just horrendous. I mean, she had all due sympathy. She had a horrendous upbringing. And I think she could have done better with what she had. There are people who had horrendous upbringings who turned out better. I mean, I think I'm one of them, although I didn't have as horrendous an upbringing 
as my mother did, because with my mother, the whole world was crazy. With me, it was my family who was crazy. It's a little different, a lot different, I guess. But given the environment, seeing that, and I can see glimmers, of course, of my mother in my daughter, but how wonderful my daughter is compared to how terrible and terrifying my mother was, and I assume is, it just goes to show how important environment is to upbringing, to, to raising, right? I mean, if my daughter had been born in the place and time my mother had been born, obviously she would be an entirely different person. So please try and make your world as happy and peaceful and sane as humanly possible. That's the second sad thing. So the first sad thing is you said, can I ever have a relationship with my abusive parents? Now, the reason I said abuse victims take on way too much responsibility is, dude, it's not up to you. You can let that go. It's not up to you. You cannot control what your parents are going to do. You can only control what you're going to do. That's all you can do. All you can do is control what you're going to do. And even then, only to some degree, right? So you can go to your parents and you can choose to be honest. If you want, I strongly suggest it. Because if you lie to your parents, you can't tell the truth to anyone. So, and the reason I'm saying that is because if you lie to your parents and you know that you're lying to your parents, then you're going to meet a woman, she's going to want to meet your parents, and you're going to have to say, well, yeah, you can meet them, but I lie to them all the time, in which case she's probably going to run. So you're probably going to have to hide the fact that you lie to your parents to everyone else, which means if you lie to your parents, you've got to lie to everyone else. So you can go to your parents and you can say, look, this is what bothered me. This is what I didn't like. This is what I have an issue with. This is what hurt me, and we need to talk about it. Or I need to talk about it, and I'd really like it if you did, right? So that, that you can control. And simply focusing on what you do in this life is the greatest liberation of all. Simply focusing on what you do in this life is the greatest liberation of all. Why are we descending into tyranny in the world? Because we are trying to control what we cannot control. Guess what? In a free market, on average, in general, women are going to get paid less than men. Oh, shocker. Why? They're smaller. They're weaker. They get pregnant. They even have a certain moodiness, some of them, with, you know, the menstrual cycle. It doesn't mean they're crazy. It's just, it's an additional burden that is a challenge for a lot of women. They have more health issues. They tend to cluster around the center or slightly lower of the bell curve of intelligence. So it's just the way it is. Now, of course, you can sit there and say, well, we're only going to have a fair society when women are completely equal to men, but you can't make it happen. Not going to happen. Ever. So we are trying to control what we cannot control. All ethnicities should end up making the same amount of money on average. Jews should make the same as East Asians, should make the same as South Asians, should make the same as blacks and Hispanics and whites and blacks. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Culture, family, bell curve, history, never going to happen. Trying to control what you simply cannot control. We're not going to have any more rich and poor in the future utopia. Can't change it. Freedom breeds inequality of outcome. Equality of opportunity breeds inequality of outcome. So the only way you can get, you know, if, if you say everyone starts at the same place in a running race, they're going to end up in different places. 
If you say everyone has to end up at the same place, you end up micromanaging and controlling and tyrannizing everyone along the whole way. If you slow down the faster runners, then the slower runners slow down too, saying, oh, we don't have to run as fast. Then you've got to bully them to speed up. But then when they speed up, the faster runners speed up too. You've got to tell them to slow down. You micromanage everyone into their component freaking atoms, and you never achieve the egalitarian outcome that you promised, the promise of equality is the delivery of tyranny. Yes, Uber Eats, could I get a plate of egalitarianism with a side dish of equality, please? Absolutely. We'll now set fire to your house because that's the only way. <laughs> We're all equal in death, right? So what you're doing is you're saying, can I have a relationship with my abusive parents as if it's up to you? It's not you got to liberate yourself from that nonsense. And I say nonsense with all due love and respect and tenderness and care and concern. I understand why you did it. When you have abusive parents and you're a child, the idea that you're ruled by giant, dangerous toddlers is too terrifying. So when your parents say to you, oh, I yelled at you because you didn't do your chores. I called you a lazy, stupid, idiot garbage because you didn't do your chores. You're like, oh, well. It's not that my parent is insane. It's not that my parent is abusive. It's not that my parent is malevolent. It's not that my parent is way out of control. It's that I didn't do the chores, so I just do the chores. Your parents make you responsible for their emotional outbursts, abuse, and immaturity. They make you responsible. So then you grow up thinking, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for everything. I'm responsible for everything. So now you ask me, and I'm sorry for the long reply. It was really, really important. Now you ask me and you say, Steph, can I have a relationship with my parents it's up to them it's up to them you can be honest i think you should be honesty is the best policy honesty is the first virtue without honesty you can't achieve or maintain any of the other virtues so you go and talk to your parents now if your parents are like you know what you make a really really great point i've been thinking about it too i'm really not proud of what we did when you were little I mean, I was thinking about it like I never did in public. I never yelled at you or, or verbally abused you at the mall, so I certainly could control it. And, and here's what happened in my childhood, and here's what I failed to do. And it's not your responsibility. It's not your fault. It was 100% on me. I'm sorry that you're the one who had to bring it up. Uh, let's, let's talk all weekend and, and sort this out because I don't want you carrying this burden any further. You know, this, I'm not saying it's likely, but it could happen, you know, in a theoretical, maybe somewhat practical universe. It's not up to you. You don't run your relationship with your parents. You don't run your relationship with anyone. I don't run my relationship with you as an audience, like people who are listening or watching. I don't run my relationship with you. My commitment is to be honest, tell the truth, and occasionally take my shirt off. And listen, that should be enough for anybody. You're not responsible for other people. There are no unchosen positive obligations. There are no unchosen positive obligations. A positive obligation is you have to, not thou shalt not. There are negative obligations. Thou shalt not rape, steal, assault, and murder. Yes, and UPB, Universally Preferable Behavior, proves all of that to the satisfaction of everyone for almost 15 years now. So yeah, you got to not initiate the use of force. No unchosen positive obligations. Now, a positive obligation that you choose is, I want a cell phone, I'm going to agree to pay 50 bucks a month, or in Canada, $500 a month, or whatever it is these days, right? So, yeah, you, but that's a chosen positive. You don't have to feed 
every child in the world, but if you choose to have a child and bring them home, then you've got to feed that child. That's a chosen positive obligation. But there are no unchosen positive obligations. You don't have to do a damn thing that you don't sign up for, that you don't voluntarily choose. There's no social contract. There's no obligation. You don't have to fix the world's problems. You don't have to feed the poor. You don't have to do any of that stuff. If you want to, fantastic. You know, go for it. I'm, I'm, you know, I do a lot of charity, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, it's great. It's good for you. It's good for the world. Fine, but it's not a moral obligation. You don't run other people's relationships. You're not responsible for other people's choices. You're not responsible for the bad things they do. You can't take pride in the good things they do. Maybe you can do some of that if you're a parent to a child. That's sort of a different thing, but you're talking child to parent here, right? Your parents define everything. They're 100% responsible for everything that happened to you when you were a child. The tone they set, the environment they created, they are 100% responsible for that. Do not overstep the boundaries of your own identity. You can't send out Psychic radar mind waves that control other people. Donate to Freedom Radio. <laughs> right? you, you can't. Your, your consciousness is, la- is locked inside this pink, bony skull prison. It has no tentacles. It has no psychic abilities, no telekinesis, no use the force Luke crap out there in the universe. You are responsible for one person and one person alone, and that is you. Now, if you get married and you promise to love, honor, and obey, and... Be together, better for worse, sickness and health, forsaking all others. That is a chosen positive obligation. You're damn well responsible for that. You have a child. You're responsible to treat that child well as long as that child is under your care, custody and control. You don't control your parents. You don't control the government. You don't control society. You don't control politicians. You don't control the media. You can be honest. Let them be free because the moment you try to control others, you become one of two things. Well, three, really. You become a bully, a manipulator, and or a victim. Because you cannot directly state, this is my needs, this is my preferences, this is what I want. And therefore, because you believe that you're responsible for everyone else, you have to manipulate them. Because honesty is sovereignty, you understand? Honesty is sovereignty. Being honest with people, telling them what you want to need and prefer, gives them... Hey, they want to provide it? Great. If they don't want to provide it, that's fine too. And you simply get the empirical evidence of how people treat you when you're honest. That's all there is to life. Get the empirical evidence. Don't control people. Don't try and manipulate people. Don't try and voodoo brain and, oh, well, I'll approach it this way. And if my conversation with my parents went badly, it's my fault and I should try it a different way. No, no, no. Other people are not freaking locks for you to spend your entire goddamn life hairpin picking that lock in the hopes that you can get through something. Speak the truth. Accept what comes back as empirical evidence and make your choice. Be honest with your parents. If they behave and respond in a reasonable, positive manner that makes you feel better, wonderful. If they continue to gaslight, avoid, fog, verbally abuse, dismiss, whatever it is that they do, you can, that's just facts. You're not responsible for it. They are 100% responsible for what they do. But do not bleed your own identity and sovereign consciousness dry and empty in the pursuit of controlling others. You are not responsible for what other people do. Please, let that go. It's the biggest liberation that there is. It turns you from a puppet master to an honest communicator. You know, people have said terrible things about me uh, over the years. I'm not responsible for that. 
That's their lookout. It's their choice. Their conscience. Well, we'll get them. I mean, gosh, I've lived long enough to know what happens when you slander good people. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. Steph, your example of the painters in real-time relationships was fantastic. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right. So, you know what? I, I, since you guys got such great questions, we'll do one or two more of these. Uh, it, uh, let's see here. Uh, I've never told you this, but your documentaries are phenomenal. Loved Sunset in the Golden State, but I put any of yours against Netflix. Oh, dude, that's fantastic. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Those were a true labor of love. I released them for free. I'm incredibly happy. I've got three pretty major documentaries, one on Poland, communism, one on California, and one on Hong Kong uh, and its fight for freedom, so, uh, which I'm incredibly glad to have gotten into uh, just right before covid dropped and, and hit so hard. So you can get all of those for free at uh, freedomain.com forward slash donate. And uh, I hope that you will check them out. Uh, free, uh, they're commercial free, uh, free to, to look at. You can share them as much as you like, freedomain.com forward slash donate. And uh, I think it certainly is the case that um, particularly the, the uh, Hong Kong one got me into a serious amount of trouble. I'm also going to put out here I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but somebody has, tra has translated universally preferable behavior into Spanish. Uh, the link is right there. I will uh, check it out. Uh, I will suggest that you, uh, you check it out. Let's see here. Um, blah, blah, blah. Bitcoin, 45,000. Yeah. The variable of genetics may make it a lot less than 25%. Yeah, yeah. Dogecoin doing well, I heard, yeah. Uh, is long-distance relationships realistic? I got forced into one for the past year because of travel restrictions. We still don't know when we'll obviously get back together. Um, long-distance relationships, you know what they are? They're a holding pattern. You know, like when planes, if the airport is too busy, they don't fly back to their destination. They don't land. They just go in a holding pattern. That's all long-distance relationships are is a holding pattern. It's fine for a little while. In my opinion, I've tried long-distance relationships. I was in one for some years. Um... They're just too unrealistic to be able to make any decision about the actual relationship. Because what happens? You don't see each other. You're on the phone. You're horny. You get together. You have sex. You go out for dinner. You don't have any realistic life of what an actual couple is or does or anything like that. It's all vacation. It's, it's like trying to figure out how cool it is to live in Jamaica uh, by going to a sandals resort. It's like, yeah, you're not really getting much of the real Jamaica there. Uh, and there's a reason why Robert Palmer bucked out. I was Jamaica, Barbados. Anyway, so long-distance relationships are the vacations of the long haul of life, and you just can't make any decisions. At least I couldn't, and nobody I know who's tried them has been able to, so uh, it's really tough. Steph's credibility is 100%. His shows with his daughter Izzy are amazing and show how amazing parenting can be. Thank you. Thank you very much. Peaceful parenting can and will save the world. It's certainly the best shot. must be strange to not know whether your mother is alive or not. Well, that's, that is interesting, and I do think about that probably once or twice a month uh, if the uh, old broad is still ticking, but, but here's the thing, um, you know, dead man walking, right, the guy already been condemned, he's going with a Sean Penn Buffon, God, that guy's gross and hideous and revolting and repulsive and, ugh. anyway, um, but, you know, they, they go from the prison cell to where the electric chair is, a dead man walking, uh, so, my mother is still breathing, but spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, 
she died many, many years ago. Um, so it's, you know, frankly, it's a little bit like a zombie movie uh, where, you know, you, you can look at your wife or your mother out the window, but they've turned and you just got to steal yourself to say, well, the person who was there ain't there anymore. So, All right. And let's see here. Women are legit insane for periods of time. Ha ha. Hormones are all over the place. No, I don't think uh, that's the case. Uh, there are women. I mean, I've known some women uh, who have very, they have very little effect from their periods. Other women have endometriosis and big mood swings and so on. And it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough. Average woman smarter than average man is what I read. No, that's not the case, sadly. Um, Uh, the New Testament says they will be poor always, pathetically struggling. Look at the good things you have. So, yeah, the New Testament said that the poor will always be with us. And whether they mean the physically poor, the poor in spirit, there will always be people making bad choices in life. And you you, you can't, you can give them advice, you can give them feedback, but sovereign consciousness uh, means that they are responsible for that. Somebody said, I've defooed, uh, separated from my parents five years now, and yes, not knowing if they're dead or not is strange, but it wasn't me that made it this way. Yeah, that's right. It's not you. My father died last year, last March. I couldn't go to the funeral. I doubt I would have, but I, I couldn't because of COVID restrictions. But So I'm like, I'm on the other side of death's door with regards to that. My father uh, left when I was a baby. He went to Africa. I would see him sometimes in the summer when I would visit my aunts uh, in Ireland, and uh, once I went when I was six, once I went when I was 16, I think, or 15, uh, and spent a, a couple of months with him in Africa. Very awkward, very weird. He was not a, a at all a natural and comfortable person. When he came to visit me as a student, he took me out for an expensive dinner, then forgot his wallet, apparently, never paid me back. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's bad. I mean, I, it's so bad. It's just, I mean, I, I shouldn't laugh, but it was so long ago now, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. And, um, but yeah, I mean, he died. So, you know, people always say, well, after the death, the regret and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I, I was honest with the guy. I put the ball in his court. I told him what happened the history, the woman he left me with. I, I had all that stuff with him. I had all these conversations with him. And uh, he just shot me back something neutral and never brought it up again. Don't worry. Empirical evidence, baby. Empirical evidence. Uh, I speak my truth to the world. I see what comes back and make my decisions accordingly. But I sure as hell don't take ownership for what other people decide. <laughs> that is not being free. And it's not, you, you, if you try to have ownership for what somebody else decides, you're treating them like a child. You're not giving them the sovereign respect of their independent thoughts. All right. Ex-friends of mine said that Steph ran my relationship with Steph. Ah, no, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those are typos, right? What if your significant other is showering you with gifts and stuff and you don't want to give anything back? Um... It means that there's a deficiency of value that is perceived. So your significant other, I don't know if you're male or female, but let's say statistically you're more likely to be male if you're listening to this. So let's say your girlfriend is showering you with gifts and, and stuff. Um, it's because she feels that she's not enough. You should not need to be me plus. 
You know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm like bare wall, just T-shirt. Uh, it's just me. I don't have big production values. It's just me, right? There's nothing wrong with big production values, but I just want to spend more time researching, reading, thinking, and chatting with you guys than, than all that stuff, right? But it means that she feels that she has to bring something else to the table other than her personality. Now, for a lot of women, of course, they believe that if they bring sexuality to the relationship, that that makes up for something, right? So you're a man and you bring one unit to the relationship, but the woman brings herself plus sex, which is apparently another half unit or whatever it is. So then you have to bring more, usually in terms of money, right? To, to or, or whatever, success or height or whatever it's going to be, right? So you have to bring more. Uh, spoiler, um, women bringing sex to the relationship doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing because women enjoy sex. Women have a great time during sex. They have multiple orgasms. And or maybe it's just my partners, right? But but no, w- women have a great. So the idea that that she's bringing something extra to the relationship because because she's doing something she really enjoys, I think it's kind of funny, right? It's just it's just kind of funny. My contribution, my sacrifice to this relationship is a bunch of orgasms. That those are the bullets I'm willing to take <laughs> to make up for whatever deficiencies I have in this relationship. So all right. Can't believe I missed the muscle show. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner is a hero. Yeah, what is it? People saying, oh, Serena Williams is the very best female athlete. Like, Caitlyn Jenner was never even born, right? It's really weird. Really weird. Um, I remember, too, I dated an Indian woman for, for some years, a woman from India. Um, and I remember before I was sort of woke to this race stuff and all of that, I remember her uh, getting um, really upset when I pointed out, because, you know, there was this Super Bowl on the weekend and Tom Brady, who is a ridiculously cool guy, by the way, like Tom Brady, very, very cool guy. I don't follow football. I don't really watch. I don't watch sports at all. But um, <laughs> people were like, well, who's better? Muhammad Ali, who's the greatest athlete? G-O-A-T, right? Greatest of all time. Is it, is it Muhammad Ali? Is it, is it Tom Brady? And it's like, no, it's a Canadian. 100%. Guaranteed. No question. Statistically, objectively, at least last time I checked, it's Wayne Gretzky. Hockey god from Timmins or wherever he was, right? Yeah, Wayne Gretzky is without a doubt the greatest athlete that humanity has ever produced because then the way that you measure that is you measure him, you measure the top athlete in his field relative to the number two in terms of like percentages, right? Percentage one, percentage goal scores, whatever, touchdowns. So you measure and whoever is the furthest ahead from the second is the greatest of all. That's how you compare boxing to hockey to football to soccer to, I don't know, racehorse riding, <laughs> dressage, whatever it is, right? Uh, show jumping. So that's that's what you do. You measure number one. And then you measure the distance from number two. And whoever has the greatest distance is the greatest athlete of all sports. And that, again, last time I checked, could be different now. That's Wayne Gretzky. And I remember... Um, this came up in conversation with this Indian woman, and she got really, really upset and angry. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't figure it out at the time. Now I get it because he's white, right? So <laughs> a white guy happens to be the greatest athlete of all the athletes. But uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's it's Wayne Gretzky. It's it's Mr. Hockey. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Didn't Caitlyn Jenner kill someone and get the ultimate pussy pass? It was a, uh, it was a. I don't know the details of it, but I believe there was a pretty bad uh, automobile accident. All right. If you had met your wife 10 years earlier, would you have been interested in each other? I 
would not have been a very good boyfriend 10 years prior. I, I'm, I'm very, very glad I met her after therapy. Let's put it that way. The Hong Kong documentary was fantastic. Thank you very much. Where would be a good country to flee to? I was in Costa Rica in December. There were lots of American expats living there. Nice place. Yeah. Don't know. Stefan, thoughts on the stigma against nudity in the West and the nudist families? No. No. No, no nudity. No, absolutely not. Absolutely in no, in no way, shape, or form. No. Cover your ass, people. <laughs> I mean, when, when I was a kid, of course, you'd get, we used to get the National Geographic. It was something my, my father paid for it. We couldn't afford it, probably. But anyway, we got the National Geographic, and I remember there used to be, there's two things I remember. Naked African boobs, of course, that's, that's number one. And number two, there was a whale song that was uh, put out uh, a vinyl. You put it on a record player, and it was like plastic, and you could listen to whales. That's all I remember, right? But uh, no, no, you, you cover that shit up, man. No, no, n- no nudity. Okay, fine, you know, you want to bathe your baby, bathe your baby or toddler or whatever, but no, no, um, no, no nudity uh, in families. No, no, <laughs> it doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't work. Don't do it. Not right. Uh, you should not see, as a child, you should not see the thatched roof from which you dropped in any way, shape, or form. That's for her doctor and her husband, <laughs> your mom, right? So, no, uh, no, uh, I, it's not a stigma against nudity, uh, family nudity, uh, nudist colonies, nude people as a whole. That's creepy shit, man. I mean, if you want to go sunbathe with no clothes on and you want a big jug of SPF 40 and a small jug of SPF 9000, that's your business. But I find the nudity and the public nudity and nude beaches, that is creepy, no boundary shit. Civilization is covering your junk. That's what we do. That, that's, what we, that's why we're not in the jungle anymore. And that's why when you look at apes, they don't have any clothes on, right? I mean, civilization is putting some clothes on, for God's sakes. And, and there's nudity around kids is absolutely Horrendous. All right. Uh, Invermectin. Please talk about it, Steph. It could save lives. Uh, Chris Martinson. Yeah, but Chris Martinson is a what epidemiologist or something. He's got expertise, man. I, I don't do, I don't do, I don't do medical stuff. All right. Good evening, folks. Enjoying the FDR Telegram chat. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Hang on a sec here. Let's dip on over. To our telegrammy friends. Hey, let's put the invite here. Why not? I say, why not? All right. Uh, what have we got here? Freedom and chat. All right. What do we got here? Invite. Invite. How do I get an invite? Let me try and do this live because that never goes badly <laughs> at all. You should check out my shows recently. I had a really good one with um, uh, John B. Wells. And the, the uh, investment roundtable is actually pretty, uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. So I hope that you will uh, check that out. And we'll try and sort of make that live at some point. I think that'd be kind of kind of cool. All right. So, oh, I bet you I go. Sorry, I, I should not never try and do this live. But, you know, apparently I just, I never learn. Uh, manage group. Uh, members. Recent actions. Group stickers. Uh, there is actually a pretty funny uh, group sticker there. Uh, <laughs> pretty good group sticker there. All right. Ah, copy link. I, I found it. All right, here we go. Here we go. Satellite radio. Y'all get hit with the boom, boom. Yeah, come on in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on in. All right. I keep putting these glasses on. 
uh, taking these glasses off. Like, I don't need them. Like, I just don't need them. All right. Adam Molyneux is not my brother. No, no, no. Uh, let's see here. There's a reason why everyone feels awkward around nudity. No, no, because you don't know where to look. Come on. I mean, this is like, no, no, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Absolutely. It is just horrifying. You know, I don't want to see the degree of your manscaping. I just, I'm not Freddie Mercury. I don't need to, you know, bounce you like a NBA star. No, thank you. No, thank you. All right. Uh, right. Shall we get to it? You guys are too fascinating. In Steph OnlyFans, you get to see the back of Steph's head. Yeah, like you ever think Tim Pool takes his hat off and there's just another face up there? Like on the back of my head, there's just another face? Uh, I've just finished your book, Everyday Anarchy. I'm always worried that this will just lead to extremely big corporations replacing the government. Uh, yeah, hello. Hi, Swiss Matt. Nice, nice to see you. Uh, with all due respect, that's... Uh it's just propaganda, right? It's just better the devil you know, blah, 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 right? So, first of all, there are no corporations in a free society. There's no corporations in a free society. Not one. There will be no corporate. I guarantee it, 100%. I would stake my life on it. There are no corporations in a free society. Corporations are inventions of the government to gain the allegiance of the powerful moneyed classes by giving them immunity for their actions. Right? You, you know how it works. Some big asshole bank, some big asshole financial institution fucks the people. And then what happens? Do the people who made those decisions go to jail? No. Do they get fined personally? No. Do they lose their house? No. Nothing happens to them. The corporation pays a fine. And what does that mean? That means that employees get paid less. It means that marginal employees get fired. And it means that the shareholders get less payout and the customers get charged more. Isn't that amazing? You strangle a guy and strangers pay fines. That's corporations, man. You rob a bank and the bank employees get paid less. That's, that's it. Nothing happens to you. In fact, you get to keep all the profits, right? Because corporations is like a one-way it's like one-way glass. The money flows out to individuals, but once the money's out of the corporation and in the individual's bank account, you can't go from out the corporation and get that money to go back. So corporations are just pieces of paper. They're run by real people. But because people go nuts about, oh, Section 230 immunity for the big tech companies. Oh, it's so terrible. How about Section everything immunity for the goddamn corporations? Everything immunity. Everything immunity is what corporations are. Are, which is why nobody goes to jail for malfeasance at the top of a corporation. Nobody. Oh, somebody been going to post a couple of exceptions here and there. Okay, those are the exceptions that prove the rule. Those are the exceptions that prove the rule. People knowingly bundled toxic securities up in the worldwide scam in 2007, 2008, nearly blowing up the entire financial system. Not one person went to jail. Not one person. Would you want to do business with a bank that if they fucked you completely, stole all of your money, they got to keep everything? And all that would happen is the corporation would get folded and everyone would get to keep everything they stole from you? Are you kidding me? You never, ever, ever want to do business with a bank like that. 
ever. Can you imagine investing with a, a fund like an ETF or, or a hedge fund or something? Can you imagine investing with a fund? They fuck you, take your money, blow it all up, and maybe even leave you in debt. And they get to keep all of the profits. And they never go to jail. They never pay anything. And they retire rich as sin on some island somewhere. Would you ever want to do? Of course not. Look, if anyone's going to be handling my money in a free society, I want their kidney taken out with a fucking spoon if they lose my money in some corrupt scheme. I want them going to, I want, I want surety, surety that they're going to jail or will be economically ostracized or whatever happens in a free society. It would never, ever, ever get into business or hand over economic value to people who could escape all the consequences of irresponsibility, greed, destruction, and malfeasance because of a magic shield called the corporation that exists as a legal fiction as a body bag to distract you. You know, like the way that pickpockets work. It's usually it's a two-person team, right? One guy bumps into you and the other guy steals your wallet. The corporation is what bumps into you, but the individuals are the ones who steal the wallet. So there's no such thing as a corporation in a free society because nobody would ever, ever choose to do business with such a ridiculous entity of scot-free evil for everyone. And look, if you're concerned about big companies or big organizations replacing government, first of all, we already have the government, so, right? So as a consumer, as a customer, look, the only way we get into a free society is everybody wakes up to how immoral the state is, right? So given that everybody will remember, and remember, <laughs> sorry, double use of the word, everybody will still recall how evil the state was. And you'll have a free market in education, Government's not going to teach you that the government is evil. Of course not, right? So you'll have generations of people constantly brought up with a true knowledge. You know, like how Jews never forget, right? Remember the Holocaust, right? Respect. Great. Throw a little Holodomor in for the Ukrainians. Throw a little hundred million in for the victims of communism. Throw another quarter billion in for the victims of statism. We're starting to talk real wisdom for the world, but never forget. Great. Statism in a free society Kids will have it drilled into their heads about how evil the state was and how hard it was to escape that kind of tyranny. And the amount of suffering that's coming because of governments is has truly beyond even the most Dantean imagination. But So everybody will be like, well, we don't want these big corporations or these big companies to turn into a state. So what are you going to do as a consumer? You're going to make sure everything's audited. You're going to make sure they never buy any weapons. You're going to make sure that they never raise some secret robot army that can take over the world. You're going to have everything audited. Everybody's going to be pretty jumpy about the existence and, and, and reality of the state. So everybody is going to make sure that everyone they do business with is never going to have the excess needed to create a government. And of course, if you are a private defense agency defending against space aliens or asteroids or maybe other states that still exist in the world, it's not like everything becomes state-free all at once, well, you're going to make sure that all the guns are pointed outwards, that they ne never have more than they accounted for, that uh, they never develop any secret technology, and they're going to say, look, we're going to put $100 million in escrow, and anybody who finds us with more weapons than we claim we have, or assembling some secret robot army gets that $100 million from a third party free and clear, everything will be geared to making sure 
this shit never happens again. So don't worry about it at all. All right. Ah, Funkmaster Steph with the rap. Bonus on the beach. No, UPB on the beach just does shift to universally preferable boner, so. Have you seen Tim without his hat? He looks like he's 48. I don't know, man. Like, embrace the bald. I mean, embrace the bald. I mean, maybe it's because I got that hemisphere Charlie Brown head. I don't know, but embrace the bald. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's not like you did something wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like you got into a stupid knife fight and have a seal-type Mariana Trench across your face. You just, you're bald. It's just genetic, man. Who, it's not like you did something bad or wrong. Just... The edge, Tim. <laughs> Take off your hats, you're fine. Have you thought of having Michael Malice on anytime soon? So I did a bunch of shows with Michael Malice in the past, but uh, I'm probably too off the... Uh, uh, I'm probably too slandered for Michael Malice at the moment. He doesn't strike me as somebody who uh, um, uh, goes to the consistent edge of integrity, so to speak, right? So you can sue individuals in a free society. See, this is what you think... You ah! <laughs> a free society is what you want it to be. <laughs> it's like saying, well, are you saying you can date redheads in a free society? It's like, hey, if you want to date redheads, date redheads. No one's going to stop you. Except maybe the redheads if you're unpleasant to date. So just think about it. If you put your money in a bank in a free society, do you want to be able to sue individuals who screw up and lose your money? Of course you do. Of course you do. You don't want some corporation they can just shut down and keep all your money. You, you don't want that. And if any such entity was around, all their competitors would say, hey, you know what? If we lose your money, you can sue us. ABC Bank over there, they've got this weird legal fiction that they can just shut it down and keep all your money. <laughs> you really want to go do business with them? Right? So a free society is what the customers, the consumers all want it to be. And it's got a multiplicity and there'll be a continual experimentation of the best, safest, most secure, most stable Ways to produce anything and everything that you can imagine. Corporatism is the system we are here in the West. Communism rebranded. Ah, it's just statism. It's just various flavors of poison. Did you watch the movie Margin Call? I think I did. But uh, all, the, um, uh, all the bullshit movies about the financial crash, I mean, they were just terrible. I mean, inevitably terrible, right? The financial crash happened because the government forced lenders to lend to blacks and Hispanics who were underqualified for the loans. It's all it, all it was. Because they said, oh, well, well, so there was a report that came out of the New York Fed that said that uh, blacks, I think, and Hispanics, that there was systemic racism against them because they were not getting the loans at the level of, of whites and East Asians and Jews, and, and so it's racism and we got to fix it. So the government all plowed in and started forcing lenders to lend to unqualified minorities, to people who couldn't afford. And they crushed the interest rates down in order to make this remotely viable. And the banks knew that these loans, most of them would never be able to be repaid, particularly if interest rates went up. And they knew that. They couldn't unwind these positions because the government was forcing them to honor, to, to have, to extend these loans. And if you're a bank man, every loan that crashes needs 30 or 40 loans that work perfectly, right? So it doesn't take a lot, right? Because you're making 3% on a loan, you got one loan that crashes out. You need loans of equal value, 100 of them, just to break even. It's crazy how badly a broken loan wrecks a lending institution. It's insane. This is why interest rates on credit cards are so high, because the default rates are so high. 
So they couldn't unwind their positions. They couldn't say, you know what, we have to sell a whole block. We have to we have to cancel these mortgages because people aren't going to be able to pay it because then, you know, the New York Times and all these other places would be like, ah, so-and-so bank, they're, they're kicking blacks out of their homes. It is racism. Like, they couldn't do it. So they had to bundle them up and sell them all over the place and just bury them in the financial system around the world. Now, you're not going to get, like, guys, come on. You're not going to get a movie that talks about the reality of what happened in the housing crisis. You're not going to get it. So everything is just, I mean, it's entertaining garbage. It's entertaining cover-up garbage. Sorry, that's just the way it is. Ah, Rich merchants will hire private security armies, try to sue them. God. You just, you all feel so helpless. Stop it. Like, if you're going to feel helpless and just shit on, on any possibility of a free future, please feel free to go away. I'm, I'm telling you this right now. Please, if you just, oh, rich merchants will hire private security armies, you try and sue them then. <laughs> oh. Who's going to want to do business with people who've hired private security and you can't sue? Where are they going to invest? Where are they going to buy houses from? Where are they going to put their money? Who's going to guarantee their property rights? Who are, the, who are they going to enter into contracts with? You can't live in a society if you have money without a lot of complex, interlocking, interweaving financial instruments, from bank accounts to investments to property rights to contracts to you name it. Now, if rich people suddenly start hiring all these private security armies, the banks are going to be like, oh, no, no, get, get out of Like, you cannot have a private security army in part of this bank because then we can't enforce any contracts with you. And they'll just get dumped out of society and they won't do it. Thank God, please, think it through. Stop coming up with these goddamn hand puppets of nightmare scenarios and not putting, oh, you, oh well, I've, I've thought of a negative scenario, therefore we have to be enslaved to the state. I've thought of a negative scenario, therefore we have to make sure that the, for the rest of time, human beings are fucking taxed livestock and war drones for the psychos in power. Because I just came up with a negative potential example. And I haven't thought it through in any way, shape, or form, but I'm just going to throw it out there like taking a shit on a wedding cake and thinking I'm a priest. Sorry, it's not the way that thinking works. You come up with a problem, at least put one fucking jewel's worth of energy to trying to create a solution, will you? <laughs> Would you want to do business with someone you had no recourse because they had some private security army? Would you want to have anything to do with them? No. And all of these people have these embedded multiple massive contracts. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you do live in your mom's basement. You don't have a contract with anyone except your cell phone provider and Pornhub. I don't know. But you can't survive as a wealthy person without a huge interweb of contracts. And people aren't going to want to give you those contracts if you've got a private security army and you face no repercussions for any bad actions that you do. Those people will be yeeted out of society and they'll very quickly be brought back to heel and deal with things in a more reasonable fashion. So please, just... Think about what you would do. Would you interact with anyone like this? Of course not. <sighs> I don't mind. Look, I know I sound kind of testy, right? I don't mind that people come up with, with, well, what if, what if? Well, what if corporations take over the state? And what if the army you hire to protect you becomes another government? And what if rich people? But you've got to put a little extra effort in, man. This is a philosophy show. 
This isn't Simon Says, it's not show and tell. This isn't kindergarten, this is a philosophy show, which means I can't do all the thinking for you. You gotta bring a little bit of that effort to the table. Because the whole point is not watching me do philosophy. The whole point is you doing some philosophy, for God's sakes. There's no point, if I write a diet book and you're fat, there's no point watching me not eat. <laughs> Unless you end up not eating. If I'm, a, if I'm a workout guy, there's no point you watching my workout instructional videos while eating Cheetos sitting on the couch. At some point, you've got to get off your ass and start moving yourself. Otherwise, it's completely pointless. The whole point of this show is not for you to watch me think. It's for you to think. You must think. Expecting me to do it is like expecting me to take a shit for you. Not going to do it, <laughs> even if I could. All right. This is like people crying about Jeff Bezos' net worth, but still shopping on Amazon instead of the many alternatives. No, it's not. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Jeff Bezos uh, is surviving in his status society, which, you know, it's not the end of the world. He's a fine guy, I'm sure, but still. Uh, right. And he gave the SPLC some <laughs> credibility, which is crazy. All right. That was a very thorough response. You have me a little more convinced. Really? You're playing this hard to get? Um, sorry, man. Already popped the uh, anarchy cherry. You pretending to pull the covers up and, oh, I'm so pure. <laughs> Too late, man. You've been Vikinged. All right. Join the FDR chat if you're on Telegram. Yeah, there's lots of good stuff there. That's right. Tim Poole wears his hat more as a trademark than out of shame. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm a bald guy. I know how this works. <laughs> how many hundreds of years before we see a free society? Oh, man. I'm going to come through this freaking screen and I'm going to slap you with a frozen fish right across the nads, man. You need it. Because you're passive. You're passive. Not you, everyone, but Nick is me. How many hundreds of years before we see a free society? Get off your ass and promote this shit. <laughs> What's the matter with you? You're just waiting for the conveyor belt of history to deliver something you desperately want? Go out and make it happen. God. <laughs> Tim, more, Tim looks more like a South Park character to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seems like the video picture quality is the best ever. More crisp than YouTube. Yeah, I'm getting older and the resolution's getting better. It's a great combo. Uh, Steph, I think it's skepticism of the corporation that could be one of the main icebreakers between the right and the left and the centrist. Yeah, except the left just want to put us in gulags, so I don't know that there's much a middle ground there, right? Uh, Andrew Cuomo was HUD's secretary, bragged about threatening banks if they didn't write diversity mortgages. Yep. Yeah, if we can't talk about IQ, we end up with no financial system, right? All right. You'll get it at least 100 years from now. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, there's so much that's unknown, right? Crypto is a pretty big thing that's going on there. You guys are dragging me off into other cool topics. Where does he read chat? I read chat on screen. Have you heard Vox Day's critique of Jordan Peterson? Yes, and it's pretty magnificent. <laughs> I will tell you that. It's well worth checking out. Is Telegram still secure? Hmm. It's more secure than your wife's chastity belt. I, uh, I found that out last night. Blah, 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 blah. All right. I had no idea he was bald. He has a kind of baby face. All right. I'm... These days, truth is not a sword to be wielded at all costs. Yeah, no kidding, right? No kidding. All right. Let's get, uh, let's get to it, shall we? All right. All right, all right, all right. I'm moving over. I'm moving on up to the east side. All right, here we go. I'm moving over to 
the left, your right, one side or the other. And what have we got here? Oh, does this look like politics? It may look like politics, but it's really not. So I want to talk about um, mental illness, uh, rioting, poverty, and so on, right? So the standard leftist story, collectivist story, socialist story, statist story, is that crime results from poverty. It results from exclusion. It results from being insulted. It results from being marginalized. It results from not being heard. This was a specific quote about the riots in the summer from BLM and Tifa and other places. And the um, the quote was, uh, rioting is the language of the unheard, right? Okay. And poverty is the cause of uh, crime, right? That's a story. So here, this is from the Anchorage Daily News. And if you're not reading that every day, I don't know what you're doing with your time. Majority, actually, let me move this over to the right screen here. Uh, Get your monitors backwards and (laughs) you just end up constantly uh, looking at things the wrong way. All right. All right. What do we got here? Jenna Ryan seems like an unlikely participant in the mob that stormed the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. Totally different from everybody occupying the Capitol for Kavanaugh hearings. Totally different, don't you understand? She was a real estate agent from Texas. She flew into Washington on a private jet, and she was dressed that day in clothes better suited for a winter tailgate than a war. Yet Ryan, 50, is accused of rushing into the Capitol past broken glass and blaring security alarms, and according to federal prosecutors, shouting, fight for freedom, fight for freedom. But in a different way, she fit right in. Despite her outward signs of success, Ryan had struggled financially for years. She was still paying off a $37,000 lien for unpaid federal taxes when she was arrested. She'd nearly lost her home to foreclosure before that. She filed for bankruptcy in 2012 and faced another IRS tax lien in 2010. Nearly 60% of the people facing charges related to the Capitol riot showed signs of prior money troubles, including bankruptcies, notices of eviction or foreclosure, bad debts or unpaid taxes over the past two decades. According to a Washington Post Analysis of public records for 125 defendants, blah, blah, blah. Bankruptcy rate of 18%, leading twice as high as that of the American public. A quarter of them had been sued for money owed to a creditor, and one in five of them faced losing their home at one point according to court filings. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, is it, is it very easy to be a real estate agent in the land of COVID? Uh, really, no. <laughs> really is is not it's not easy right the financial missteps by defendants in the attempted insurrection ranged from small debts of a few thousand dollars more than a decade to go to unpaid tax bills of four hundred thousand dollars and homes facing foreclosure in recent years so yeah it's pretty bad i won't go through the whole article you can look for it yourself of course the title is a majority of the people arrested for capital riots had a history of financial trouble so, how's, how's that narrative that crime results from poverty, how's that narrative going with the Trump supporters in the riot at the Capitol? How's that narrative? Are they going well? You know, the Trump supporters have been marginalized. They've been attacked. They've been insulted. They've been called white supremacists and racists and bigots and fascists. They've been shut out of social media. They've been shut down and deplatformed left, right, and center. The financial system isn't working for them. The tax is too high. They're getting wrecked and destroyed by things outside their control, tax rates, tax policies, economic 
Malfeasance of every kind. The government leaving the borders open to allow COVID in. Massive shutdowns and restrictions. Forced mask wearing despite the fact that Florida's doing way better than New York and California. They're poor. They're broke. They're bankrupt. Losing their homes. Been marginalized. Oppressed. Insulted. Outcast. Deplatformed. No justice. No peace. Isn't that the slogan? Isn't that the way? Way it works. Is that is that is that going? Is that being talked about? Is that no? Of course not. Of course not. You see, when certain sectors of society riot, it's because they're being treated unjustly, and they're poor, and they're insulted, marginalized, and we need to let them have half of Seattle. We need to listen. We need to understand. Empathize. Hear what it is that these people have to say. That's on the one side. Ah, but you see, when the Trump supporters riot, they have to have their lives destroyed. They have to be tracked down, charged, and jailed. Now, I'm saying this, look, pointing out these double standards is a bit of a boring thing, which is why I got off politics. And this isn't really fundamentally about politics. It's just about, like, don't believe these lies about poverty causes crime. Marginalization causes crime. These people uh, on January the 6th, you could make the case, yeah. And, and this is some statistical data that, yeah, they've had some, uh, some issues, right? So that's one thing I sort of wanted to point out, this crazy standard. It's not crazy, of course, if you're thirsty for power and all of that. But, uh, okay, I haven't been following the impeachment thing. Because, you know, any faith I've had in Trump's competence went years ago. And uh, I just assume that uh, it's a, a shit show in general. I mean, and I'm sure there's every reason to, uh, to believe that, right? But that having been said, as far as the content of this goes, don't really care. Don't really care. But let's look at something quite interesting and, and horrifying. And, you know, I say this with sympathy, I say this with empathy, but I also want to say it with clarity, because this is some important stuff. Okay. Whew. Here we go. Representative Jamie Raskin. So for those of you who don't know, Jamie Raskin is, what is he, lead prosecutor or something like that for the um, the, the, the Trump impeachment the beta, right? Like round two, the Trump impeachment, right? He's the lead prosecutor. He opened up the whole thing. And, you know, he seemed kind of cheery. I'm not going to bore you all with the Federalist, blah, 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 right? And he seemed pretty, uh, pretty peppy, pretty, pretty positive. <sighs> My gosh. Now, he was a, a constitutional professor, I think, maybe somewhat more legitimately than they claimed Obama was or whatever, right? But anyway, so you got to look at how this, this language works, right? It's really, really important. Representative Jamie Raskin, wife, says son lost battle with depression in heart-wrenching tribute. This guy, Maryland Representative Democrat, of course, Jamie Raskin and his wife Sarah on Monday published a heart-wrenching tribute to their late son, confirming that the 25-year-old took his own life last week after a long battle with depression. In a note left for his family on New Year's Eve, the day he died, 
Thomas Bloom Raskin wrote, Please forgive me, my illness won today, his parents said in a Medium post. Please look after each other, the animals, and the global poor for me, said the note, signed, All my love, Tommy. He was a student at Harvard Law School, was remembered as an animal lover and passionate vegan devoted to helping others. Uh, Thomas began grappling with depression in his 20s and how the illness was a kind of relentless torture in the brain for him. Despite a large support network of relatives, friends, and doctors, quote, the pain became overwhelming and unyielding and unbearable at last for our dear boy. The quote is, uh, on the last hellish brutal day of that god-awful miserable year of 2020, when hundreds of thousands of Americans and millions of people all over the world died alone in bed, in the darkness from an invisible killer disease ravaging their bodies and minds, we also lost our dear, dear beloved son, Hannah and Tabitha's beloved irreplaceable brother, a radiant light in this broken world. Uh, the middle child, he was a middle child. His father referred to him as a libertarian. And I got to imagine, man, if, you, if you're a libertarian, like a small government guy, and your father is this guy, it just seems like a bit of an oppositional set of values as a whole. And uh, he, uh, there's a Jewish family, the, the son um, mo- wrote a big legal brief saying why he shouldn't have to attend his own bar mitzvah or something like that, as far as I can remember. But the Raskins describe how their son donated half of his teaching salary, quote, to save people with malaria by purchasing mosquito nets with global charities, end quote, and spent the rest on donations in each of his students' names to other groups targeting global hunger. Well, you can do that, of course, if you come from a staggeringly wealthy family. He was, in fact, living in his parents' basement, as the cliche goes, right? Not his fault. Under COVID, he was living in his parents' uh, basement. He killed himself January 31st, 2020, in his parents' home. In his parents' home. Now... It's a, it, look, it's a tough subject. I'll be, I'll be straight up with you guys. It's a tough subject. I mean, to, to lose a child, I can't. A guy I worked with up north. Oh, man. I knew the family for quite some time. A guy I worked with up north. Martin. Pretty funny guy. Pretty, a pretty nice guy. A jovial guy. A, a, a positive guy. And uh, he was um, he was to be married, and he was jogging down down a road in in the darkness uh, because he wanted to be he gained a little weight and he wanted to be more trim for his his wedding and he was jogging down the road again. This is up north where we worked in the middle of nowhere, and he was um, you know jogging down the road and um, some kids in a stolen pickup truck driving dangerously and carelessly obviously uh, just knocked him down and he died instantly at the scene I was I mean these these kinds of calamities and tragedies um, it's most of human history and and I, I look I mean the the, the Raskins and uh, the amount of sympathy I feel is 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 bottomless but I do have to be pretty strict when it comes to philosophy. So 
the reason why I had this sort of title, because I've really been, I've been thinking about this story because it's very important. So this representative, Raskin, the dad, right? He he says he knows how he knows how to run a country. He knows intimately in great detail, the constitutional scholar, he knows intimately in great detail how a country should be run. How should a country be run? But his son killed himself. His son killed himself. A father cannot be completely immaterial to the mental health of his son. A mother cannot be completely immaterial to the mental health of a child. Mid-twenties. Got depression. Now, of course, what they want to do, and this is, this is the label, right? The label is he's suffering from a disease. It was an illness. Chemical imbalance, even though there is, in fact, no test for this chemical imbalance. It's a mirage, as far as I can tell. I got a whole uh, presentation on mental illness, which I did some years ago, many years ago now. But it's you, you can't sit there and say, well, what the hell was going on in the family where the son killed himself in the parent's home? In the parent's home. I'll tell you, listen, I'll be straight up with you about suicide. I hate it. I hate suicide. Not because some people don't want to live anymore. Look, I guess that could happen, right? They say it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Your mood will probably stabilize and get better and so on, right? But... I hate suicide because if you decide you don't want to live anymore and you claim to love your parents, make it look like an accident so they don't live with the horror, shame, guilt of suicide. Suicide to me is about the most fundamentally destructive thing a human being can do outside of straight up murder or rape. Because if you don't want to live anymore, you can shuffle off this mortal coil. You can exit stage left, pursued by a bear. You can, you can die. And so you've achieved your goal. You're not in pain anymore. You can die. And it can look so much like an accident that nobody will feel the guilt, shame, horror, and remorse of having faced a suicide. So to me, a suicide that is clearly identified, I don't know how he killed himself, right? But a suicide that is clearly identified as a suicide is an act of pathological aggression against the survivors. It's rage against the survivors because everybody who is suicidal knows exactly, this is a smart kid, right? Everybody who's suicidal knows exactly how much horror and suffering they're inflicting upon the survivors. It is an act of top-tier consummate rage against the survivors. You suicide in your parents' home. That, to me, is an act of consummate aggression against your parents, rage against 
The parents, what was he angry about? I don't know. Was he on the psych meds? I would assume so, because they talk about all the doctors who were part of his treatment. Is it more cowardly to commit suicide or to live without living? No, see, you're missing the point, man. You've got to learn to listen. You're missing the point. The point is not, should everyone live no matter what? I can, I can picture particular circumstances in which death would be preferable to living. Of course, right? We can all, I mean, if you were, I don't know, you were kidnapped and you were facing years of torture and you had a cyanide pill in your tooth. I don't know. I can, I can pick, or you're some uh, godforsaken, expensive, ungodly, painful disease with no cure and it's going to take you months. Yeah, you might choose to check out ahead of... I can understand that. I, 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 I don't view killing yourself as the fundamental act of aggression because I can understand in certain circumstances where that could be something which a reasonable person might choose. What is bothering me about this is the act of aggression against the parents that is not being talked about. You know, whatever clues, I don't know, like whatever clues there are that this this kid... Uh, um, obviously felt the, the burden of the world's hungry and, and so on, and obviously didn't look forward to, to a future. I don't know, of course, anything to do with what, what caused all of this. But what to me is very powerful, it's a powerful use of language, that everything is characterized as if this kid, this young man, had an illness and just lost the battle like it was cancer. Depression, in my humble opinion, it's not cancer. I've had cancer. It's a little different from that. I've had moments of crisis in my life. I think most people who've got any kind of ambition, particularly moral ambition, you, you know, we face moments of crisis in our lives. I mean, what drove me into therapy was uh, close to 18 months of insomnia. Not like no sleep, but just really terrible sleep. And that's because I was sleepwalking in my life. I was not awake in my life. So I went to therapy, spent a year and a half going three hours a week, and, and it was the best $20,000 I ever spent in my life. And so I've had cancer. I, I wouldn't say it was depression, but it definitely was uh, non... My, my life was not working for me back in my 20s. And so I've had, I've had moments of mental crisis, and I've had cancer, and they're not the same. There, there was no place I could go to talk the cancer out of me. There was no amount of journaling or dream analysis that was going to cure my cancer. It's not the same at all. So referring to depression as an illness and that the parents are you know, mournful victims of something that struck their son without anything to do with them. I have doubts. I have doubts. I have doubts. Now, if we understand, of course, that suicide is an act of consummate aggression because you are leaving everyone around you with the knowledge that you killed them yourself. It's an act of, of staggering levels of aggression, right? Now, 
this is sort of my fundamental thesis here. My fundamental thesis is that word mental, the phrase mental illness is invented to provide a cover for terrible actions on the part of people the left likes. Right? So, I mean, you, you know the cliche that there's some, some Muslim who goes and chops someone up with a machete. Uh, oh, he's suffering from mental illness, right? Whereas, of course, if some Trump supporter were to go and shoot up someplace, nobody would say, oh, it's mental illness. They'd say, oh, that comes from their support of Trump. When BLM riots, it's uh, being poor, being unheard, being outcast, being insulted, being aggressed against, being deplatformed, being marginalized, right? That's uh. But when poor, marginalized Trump supporters riot, well, they're insurrectionists and must be thrown in jail. Justice for one is forgiving the destruction. Justice for others is destroying people's lives based upon very little destruction. I mean property, property damage, the lives lost of complete tragedy, of course. So this is what I see. If a father kills his children, he's an evil patriarch who was lashing out because he was losing power and his wife was going to leave him and blah, 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 right? If a father, if a mother kills her children, she's suffering from mental illness. Why? Because men vote for the right and women vote for the left. If an act of aggression is committed by somebody on the left, it's mental illness. Or it's arising from environmental causes like poverty and marginalization or whatever, right? But if somebody on the right commits the same violence, well, they're just evil criminals and must be prosecuted and thrown in jail. Mental illness is the excuse for not acting against the immorality of the left. And if you look at the groups that they commit violence, they're reliable leftist supporters, they will generally be covered with the rubric of mental illness. I have questions if someone knows how to run a country if his son kills himself. I have questions. Because clearly... Representative Raskin thinks that the country is heading in, a, heading in a bad direction, right? It's heading in a bad way, just as his son was. But Representative Raskin was unable to save his son, but believes he can save the republic. But if he can save the republic, why didn't he use those skills to save his son? And if he can't save his son or couldn't save his son, which clearly he couldn't, what makes anyone think he can save the republic in his own mind or in his own... Even if you accept all of the leftist stuff about Trump and the impeachment and the incitement of... What on earth? Why would somebody believe that this guy knows how to save the republic when he couldn't save his own son? Was he saving up his skills for the republic and not using them on his own son? Well, that seems insane. How much work was he doing in politics when his son was facing a terrible crisis in being, in meaning? in life. Why would you trust anyone to save society in the abstract when he couldn't save his son in the concrete? These are important questions. Of course, the media will 
because he's a Democrat, a Raskin fellow. And again, listen, I have I mean, what he's suffering through. I can't imagine, and I, I, I lead with love. I have genuine sympathy for his personal tragedy, but dear God above, what was it? The day after his son's funeral, he's starting to launch in against Trump, show trial for political enemies and garbage like that. For God's sakes, man, your son just killed himself. Sit in a dark room and ponder your life. Ponder your life. <laughs> My daughter, remember I said earlier, she's very funny and she's very cool. And she is. And if she does something that she doesn't, that she doesn't want, like in hindsight, she doesn't want to do, right? I don't know, she eats something and, and then she doesn't like the taste or something like that. Then she, she'll sometimes say, I regret every life decision that led me to this moment. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, because, but it's really funny. It is. I don't want to be one of these, you had to be there guys. Like I had a friend when I was younger who would tell the lamest, longest stories and nobody would get it and nobody would laugh. And then eventually he'd say, well, I guess you just had to be there. So I don't want to be that guy. But it's really, to me, that's really funny. <laughs> like the, the first time she tried ginger at sushi, she's like, oh, I regret every life choice that led me to this moment. I think it's really funny. But on a more serious note, your son killed himself in your house. It's an act of consummate rage against you, the system, the family, the whatever, the world. The pathological altruism of, I must save all the animals, all the hungry people, all the people who might get mosquito bites, the overwhelming nature of trying to save the planet. You know, this is the Democrat thing, the leftist thing, is we can save the planet. We can, what is it that Obama said? Now is the time when the seas began to cool and the planet began to heal. I mean, this is like Charlton Heston Moses levels of narcissism and grandiosity, megalomania. We can save the world. We can save all the starving people in India. We can save all the people who might get malaria in Africa. I mean, I couldn't save my son from killing himself, but don't worry. I've got the hungry of the world, totally solvable problem. Suicidal son, wasn't home, couldn't fix it, couldn't deal with it. But, yeah, we can totally cool the whole planet. I couldn't, couldn't save my son from dying, killing himself, even though he lived in my house and had for some time. He lived in my house. I couldn't save him, but don't worry. We can totally make the world a better place through government action because I know how to solve problems. I know how to solve world poverty. I know how to make all the animals safe. I don't know how to make sure I know how to make sure nobody gets malaria. I know how to solve the climate that is changing. I can do all of this. I couldn't save my son from killing himself, but don't worry, I got the rest of it covered. I can turn the gray skies blue and I can make it rain whenever I want it to. I can build a castle from a single grain of sand. <laughs> I can't get next to you. I mean, this is the thing. This is the grandiosity. He can do all of these incredible, amazing things with the power of the state. He can restore the republic. He can end crime. He can end poverty. He can end hunger across the land, around the world. But your son killed himself while living in your house. If that doesn't give you humility as to your power in the world, I don't know what will. And then he vaults straight, 24 hours straight from his son's funeral 
to the most boring show trial in the history of the crumbling republic. Now, can you imagine, of course, if one of Trump's children killed himself or herself? I don't believe anyone can save the world if they can't save their own child. I don't, and, and nobody's talking about this. Now, listen, sympathy for the father and, and the mother and the whole family, what they're suffering, the extended family, absolutely astonishing. But one of the things, like when you get brought up short, it's important to take a fucking pause and think about your life. And this guy dusts his hands from the dirt from his son's grave and goes off and makes jokes about saving the republic and not leaning too heavily on the federalist papers <laughs> i mean what, what is it just me let me let me go to the chat here like maybe i'm maybe i'm completely deranged about this i uh yeah take some time off for god's sakes take some time off your, your son just just killed himself in your basement, for God's sakes. Like, isn't this absolutely astounding? I mean, tell me, tell me. Look, if I'm if I'm off base here, like, please let me know. I've just how can anyone believe that this guy can save the republic? He couldn't save his own son. I don't know anything about their parenting. I don't. Although I was reading up today, uh, Jim Morrison, uh, the claims are, seems reasonable based on his life history. Uh, Jim Morrison was sexually abused as a child. Went to his mother and nothing was done. <sighs> My parents used mental illness and those antidepressants to cover up the fact that they were awful parents who hated their children. Yeah. So the guy whose son killed himself while living with him is now the moral judge of the ex-president whose children are all still alive and doing relatively well. The guy whose son killed himself in the family home while living with his parents, the guy whose son killed himself is now the moral judge of the guy whose kids are all still alive and doing pretty well. I can't hear what people are saying over what they're doing. And this is never addressed. Nobody's saying, oh my God, man, you can't, you can't come up and lead this trial, this impeachment trial. You, your son just killed himself. Like, what are you doing? No, 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 because they got to get Trump and, right, this is... I mean, this guy, you know, constitutional scholar, constitutional professor, and he even made this joke. What is it? He was making some, I think it was him, he was making some joke, was it him, about how, um, oh, a professor is someone who speaks while everyone else sleeps. <laughs> I mean, dude, you, you just came from your son's funeral. What are you doing? What level of disconnect, dissociation is going on that... You can just get up there and be joke. Maybe this is why the sun felt such a gap and such an emptiness. I don't know. This unconnectability of people, this 
I don't know. Making dad jokes to the nation. His son just killed himself. <sighs> Let me just um, check this. I want to just double check this. I want to be fair. Obviously, I want to be fair and accurate as best I can. I thought it was the guy. I thought it was the guy. week oh and this is the guy who he's one of his, uh, his niece was there or something I don't want to come back to the capital <sighs> uh, hang on a second let me see Nah, doesn't matter. I, if anybody um, remembers it, if you watched the speech, was was he the guy? I th- he looked like him, but uh, I can't I can't recall. So, check check yourself, right? All right, yeah, just just amazing, uh, just amazing to me that nobody's sitting there saying, "Well, so you're 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 a constitutional professor, professor of the Constitution, so you know exactly how." The fine points of negotiation, law, and morality, and authority should work, but your son killed himself in your basement. It doesn't mean that everything he says is is false because of that, but doesn't it... Is it just me? Doesn't it give anyone else pause? And I'd be saying this whether the guy was on the left or the right. Crazy. Uh, yeah, Kellyanne Conway got totally different treatment from the media when her kid went off the deep end. Yeah, yeah, and and she did. Um, Kelly Kellyanne Conway did step back from politics to try and deal with her family issues. George Conway is her husband. Uh, oh, I don't know, man. That's uh, Joe Biden's son. Did does hard drugs? Yeah, yeah. Joe Biden, man. I mean. Wasn't Hunter Biden was was kicked out of the Navy for testing positive for cocaine? And I mean, I remember scrolling past seeing some of these images from the Hunter Biden laptop or supposedly from the Hunter Biden laptop. And it was like a a window into hell It's fucking self. It's a window into hell itself. Joe Biden. God. And look into Nancy Pelosi's brother. I mean, these these are not good people. And and Joe Biden, after raising the children that he raised, now is a great steward of the republic. He couldn't save his children from incredible dysfunction, corruption, drug abuse, infidelity. But he can save the country. This is the level of disconnect that is just truly astounding to me. I mean, I don't give a shit, frankly what people say in their... I I care about what happened with their family. I care about their personal relationships, right? Um, I will give you guys a tiny confession. I like to watch kind of empty-headed stuff for a few minutes before I go to sleep. It just cools the old 
jetpack of a brain a little here. So there's a show uh, called Royals, and it's it's trash, uh, but it's engaging trash uh, for a short amount of time. It's kind of like candy floss. You don't want to eat it too much, but then it kind of disappears in your mouth. But, you know, it's got a sweet taste. So I don't want to sound all kind of hoity-toity. I don't mind, you know, trashy stuff from time to time. But so there's this woman, the younger people probably don't know her as well, Elizabeth Hurley. And she is a model actress. She was, I think, spokeswoman for Estee Lauder for a while. And she was the girlfriend of Hugh Grant when Hugh Grant ended up being caught in a car with a black prostitute. Uh, It was really, it it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Pretty bad. And Elizabeth Hurley, has a very, um, she has a regal presence. She's cast as this fictional queen in this fictional British family or whatever, right? Fictional royal family in England. And, you know, she's got this regal, and I remember many years ago seeing her, like somebody was trying to get her attention. She was just like, so snootily looking down, like, oh, what does a little person want from gorgeous old me, right? And yeah, she's she's pretty and she's got a nice figure and apparently that's all that matters these days. But anyway, so, so she plays a very confident woman, a dysfunctional parent, of course, but a very confident woman. And then, you know, I just was curious and I had a glance at her bio and, oh yeah, she's been married and she married some Indian guy and, and left him because of his crazy behavior. And now she got married again and divorced again. And oh, it's just, you know, I just look at their personal life. This person appears very confident, very superior, very together, very successful. I just look at their, per- that's, I just look at people's personal life. I don't know why people don't do this more often. Just look at their personal life. That's where the truth of the person is. Like, that's where the truth of the person is. People who were truly shocked at Trump's hiring decisions, like he's bad at hiring people. Hello? Wasn't he married like three times? So, he's not good at choosing people. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been married (laughs) three times, you understand, right? He's not good at choosing people. This is why he had all these deep state creatures in the administration that took him down from within, right? Okay, yeah, so it's not shocking. Just look at people's personal lives. Just look at people's personal lives. It's what you need to do. It's what you need to do. Just look at people's personal lives. And it's a it's a perfect place to start. It's not the only place you want to go to, but it's the perfect place to start. All right. Hunter is getting $2 million advance in his new book about addiction. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. I heard about that. I, uh, I, try, I try to avoid that kind of news because, you know, as a guy who tried to get published, listen, you guys got to put this in the... Um, Put this in the chat here. You guys got to, I'm just, I'm begging you. I'm on my knees absolutely, completely, and totally. You don't have to donate to me tonight. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to spread the word. You don't have to talk philosophy. You don't have to share my shows and get caught in the supremacist splash damage from the liars. But please, fdrurl.com forward slash almost. Go start listening to this audiobook. It's really, really, this novel is fantastic. Just, just Give it 10 minutes. I'm begging you. I'm, I'm on my knees. I will kiss the hem of your garment, Sam Cooke style. I will uh, come and mow your lawn. I will wax your car. Please, please, just give this audiobook 10 minutes, and you will get into it, and you will absolutely love it, and it will grow your brain like nothing else, right? Uh, Liz Hurley let a guy kiss her for like $20,000. Yeah, I took my shirt off earlier. Nobody gave me $20,000. All right. 
Uh, anybody uh, else with any? Yeah, please, please, please do it. Please do it. Please do it. Um, whether or not I listen to your shows, I've been a paid subscriber for six years. I will never stop donating. I'll check out the book. Thank you so much. You are the reason I'm here, and I really, really appreciate it. It can be quite easy to donate through bad coins through the Brave browser. It can be done monthly. Audiobooks are great while hiking. That's very true. American Beauty, Lost in Busyness. Yeah, that was an oddly powerful movie. Um, I've, I've watched it many years ago. But uh, see, seeing a man be assertive, uh, even though it did turn out to be the uber creep uh, Kevin Spacey, it really was uh, some of it. King Earwig says, I'm almost one with it. I think you mean almost done with it. Um, and out of 10, what, did you, uh, what would you give it? Be honest, man. It's okay. Maybe it's not for everyone. I just think it's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, please check it out. Freedomain.com forward slash almost. You can also get, um, here's another one too. If you liked Silicon Valley, uh, get this, the book, The God of Atheists, also another great audio book that you can uh, check out uh, that I wrote uh, some years ago about my life and times in the software world. Um, if you've ever been anywhere near tech or you like Dilbert or whatever, check out that, uh, that book. That uh, would, be, uh, would be great. It would just be great. Yeah, and I don't think, what, you still can't donate here. Let me just check DLive. I assume they haven't changed anything about this. Um, why is this? I need to pause that. I don't think I can distribute anything here, can I? Distribute rewards? Probably not going to happen, right? I am now distributing rewards. Have you watched Silicon Valley? Yes, I did watch some of Silicon Valley. I didn't like the chapter against God, but 8 out of 10. Yeah, I think I might cut that. I was just listening to that the other day, and I think it's uh, too, uh, uh, it's, it's a non sequitur. Uh, 8 out of 10? Yeah, I'll take that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Um, what was the other one? Oh, there's another one with, with two. Uh, it's it's two, two women who are the tech experts. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Uh, burn on something. Did you see that Bill Whittle is floating the idea of starting an academy to teach young men? Yeah. Did um, I don't think he's got kids, so good for him, man. It's a great way to, to do things, right? It's like Dupesta. I don't think he's got kids either, and uh, it's great that uh, he works to, to educate the next generation and all of that. So, Why does the right always frame ANCAP as unmatured ideology? Don't know. Don't know. Yay, rewards are working. Oh, but you can't donate to me, I assume, right? Hey, Steph, I know you spent a lot of time and energy recording almost. I was wondering if there would be a print version coming. Yes, there will be. Uh, a print version coming. Um, I've got a guy working on it, and uh, it will it will get to it. Can you let me know? I don't think that there's any donations here. Um, I think we got uh, yeeted with a, a whole bunch of other people. It's not a particular thing to me, but I think everybody who's not gaming just got taken off. Uh, what do we got here? But yeah, did you guys get to, you did get some lemons, right? You didn't get any lemons? No. Ah, uh, well, maybe uh, maybe it's all. I mean, what was it? Um, some people are having this issue with Periscope, right? That that uh, Periscope might let them cash out, right? No. Oh gosh, uh, should I should I try and dive into this uh, as we speak? Probably not. Um, no, I won't. But um, there was a um, another show about a software company, and the 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 two tech geniuses and marketing geniuses were two young, attractive women, which uh, you know certainly not impossible, but was not really the environment that I've ever. I've uh, seen that. A couple of people got some lemons. All right. 
All right, good. Good, I appreciate that. Some, yeah, some people got some lemons. All right, should we should we close up shop for the night? Uh, anybody else with any other yearning, burning questions, issues, comments, problems? That's what my old uh, acting teacher used to say. Issues, comments, problems. <laughs> I'll wait for a second here. I'll just stare. I'll take my shirt off again. Whatever you like. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you have any other questions, uh, I can. Uh, Among us tonight. Ooh. Well, um, <laughs> what's it? Uh, um, my daughter was showing me a pretty funny Among Us video the other night. Where if you, I don't know if you know this one at all, but if you don't, it won't make much to you. But one guy was uh, saying, "Oh, I saw, I saw Bob vent," and Bob said, "I don't even know how to do that. This is my first time playing the imposter." It's like, dude, <laughs> not very strategic. <laughs> Steph, rent boy, Molyneux. Ooh. Steph, can you some, do some of your The Truth About? Oh, we've got 5K followers. That's nice. Uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a couple in the works, but um, uh, things are... I'm doing a lot of... I like doing the, the, the crypto stuff, uh, doing the live streams, uh, um, working on the, the text of uh, Almost, and so, yeah, things are just kind of... Still waiting to hear about the official FBI DC police report of the investigation of the January the 6th riot. Uh, update about your peaceful parenting book. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're you're right to ask me. I'm sorry I haven't brought it up. I completely slipped my mind. Uh, it's it's slow going. Uh, I'm really trying to, you know, it all needs to be organized. Uh, the the research is slow. I want to make sure I'm citing the latest scientific research is not contradicted by other stuff. So sorry, it's slow going. I was hoping to have more of it out by now, but it's uh, it is slow going. Um. Uh, yeah. So I think that. Um, I think that uh, the FBI, did they ever figure out who laid the bombs uh, earlier? January 5th, was it? Or the night before? Have they ever done anything like that? It is, uh, it is very strange. Uh, all right. Don't forget to join the Telegram chat. It's right there. Uh, what is a good time to teach children about sex? I think 10 to 12 is a good age. Yeah, certainly before puberty, right? And certainly before a woman, uh, a girl menstruates and uh, before a man's, you know, a, bo a boy's uh, testicles drop and, and body hair, you definitely want to do all of that because, you know, so I think I think it's a reasonable a reasonable time, a reasonable time to, to do it. Um, it may be different for each kid, uh, but I think that's not a bad, a bad time to do it for sure. All right. Um, me and my wife only have each other as friends. We lost our family friends as if they as they act immoral. How to find good friends? Well, just speak about your values openly and honestly, and see how people react. And if they react in a positive manner, you've probably got good friendships. And if they react in a negative manner, you've saved yourself a lot of time. It's going to become increasingly dangerous to be around people who are solid statists because there's going to be stuff like informing on people. Have you ever heard him say anything bad about this? Has he ever expressed any aggression about that? Uh, if anybody gets caught up in any kind of status net, it's going to be increasingly dangerous, I believe, to have people around you who aren't honest and virtuous and good and strong people. So, How do you re regulate your daughter's internet usage? Um, so we will do a lot of stuff... Um, together uh and um but uh yeah just keeping it a uh 
uh, keeping an eye on it and, and making sure she's internet aware. Sorry, it's kind of useless advice. Steph, could you recite the joke story about the patriarch fixing the girl's laptop in the airport? I'm so sorry, I don't uh, remember it. Besides Wednesdays, what other days do you go live on this or other platforms? Uh, well, we're looking at getting the investment, not investment advice roundtable that goes on. Um, so I'll probably be live streaming um, that as we go forward here. But uh, right now, it's only Wednesdays. If you separate from your parents, how do you explain this to your kids who want to see their grandparents, especially if they have cousins too? Well, um, the best way to explain these things to kids is to put themselves in the situation that you're in. So if you would say to your kids something like, if, uh, if someone is being bullied and the bullies won't stop even when you ask them to, and they continue to escalate, what should you do? Should you stay friends with the bullies? And the kids would say, well, no, you shouldn't stay friends with the bullies, right? And you've got to establish the principle in a context they understand and then extend it to yourself. That would be my suggestion. How do you deal with the brother being the ultimate scumbag, but their son, my nephew, being someone you'd want in your life? Vague, I know. So... I don't know how old the, the, the son is. Um, you, you, what you want to show to kids is that bad guys don't win. And good guys don't ignore bad behavior. Like That's the principle. Like Whatever you have to sacrifice to show that principle, is re it, that's really, really key. You have to show your kids that good guys can win. And that good guys don't sacrifice the truth because of bad guys. They don't sacrifice their morals and their standards because of bad guys. They just, you don't do that. You don't do that. Now, let's say that that means you can't see your nephew for a while, but you're giving him a lesson through your absence that's going to serve him much better in his adulthood and in his relationship to you as he gets older than if you, you know, sort of strangle your values to be around your brother and don't speak up when your brother says terrible things and don't intervene when your brother does terrible things. All he'll see is that good people are weak and at the mercy and enslavement from bad people. And, and that's a terrible message to give. Ryan Dawson has sparked my interest in history. I would love to see you do uh, to do a show together. Oh, interesting. All right. A dating advice roundtable. Ooh, he's 10. Yeah, I think you, you want to show uh, integrity and virtue. And uh, if, if, the, if, your, if, the, if your brother is doing bad things, call him out on it in front of his kid. But don't surrender your own values don't strangle your own values in order to be around your nephew in my humble opinion obviously do what you want it's just my thought right uh then um you don't want to show that you don't want to show that good people surrender their values for the sake of bad people because then he's a hostage that makes you a worse person and so on ryan dawson has um let's see here ryan doesn't like stefan he has made a video mocking him well all right <laughs> All right. Do you think people are more aware of peaceful and logical parenting compared to previous decades? Well, sure. Of course they are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the last thing I'll say here. This is a speech I've given before on the show. Uh, Steph, would you ever consider doing a show with a therapist's approach to a topic and a philosopher's approach to the same issue? Well, it's interesting. Interesting. So, uh, let me mull that, mull that over. Um, yeah, so this is the last thing I'll say tonight, right? So... Parents will often say, we did the best we could with the knowledge we had. We didn't know it was wrong, whatever, right? But it's not true. None of it's true. So some of the earliest shows I saw about parenting were things like My Three Sons, 
uh, Leave It to Beaver. These are all black and white shows from the 50s, and the parents were peaceful and reasonable. You never saw the kids getting screamed at. You never saw the kids getting abused. You never saw the kids getting hit or, or insulted or anything like that. The parents were calm and reasonable and patient and peaceful. I mean, I'm sure there were some exceptions. It's not like I saw every single show, but that's what I saw. That's what I remember. If you go into the 60s, you got to 70s, 80s, you got 80s enough, you got um, family ties, you got full house, you got, you know, there was a little bit of woodshed action in Little House in the Prairie, but that, of course, was way back in the day. Uh, in the more modern, um, you've got, uh, I don't know, some horse show set in Alberta that, um, you know, the parents are all, you know, not perfect, but peaceful and reasonable. The kids never get hit. The kids never get spanked. And so most people who watched these shows saw, what was it in Full House? There was like a talking stick, like the original one. You could only talk if you had the stick. So parents who grew up on these shows, watching these shows, continually saw, continually saw peaceful parenting in action. Now, if parents genuinely thought that screaming at, insulting, and hitting children was fine parenting, why did these shows never, ever show it? It should have, right? It should have. Should have all shown this stuff, right? The reason why they didn't show parents screaming at children is that you have to be in a state of dissociation in order to abuse people. And when you're watching a show on TV, you're not in that state of dissociation. And if you see your own awful behavior reflected on the screen, when you're not in a state of dissociation from your own emotions and your own conscience, you're absolutely horrified and appalled and you would get that show shut down before the next commercial break. The amount of complaints would be staggering from parents who would accurately see their own abusive parenting reflected by surprise, by, by sudden, right? So if you look at sitcoms and movies and, and shows as a whole, you see peaceful parenting has been around since the 1950s. And parents have had thousands of hours of instruction, both as children, as teenagers, as young married couples, before they had kids, and even when they would watch these shows as parents. They've had thousands of hours of instruction on peaceful parenting simply through the mainstream media. Simply through the mainstream media. They have no excuse. No excuse whatsoever to say, well, we did the best we could with the knowledge we had when you've literally been trained for thousands of hours on how not to scream at, abuse, insult, and hit your children. You know, all the parents laughingly, jokingly, uh, interacting with, negotiating with, finding peaceful resolution to parent-child conflicts, thousands of hours, people have been exposed to it. So, there's no mystery. There's no secret to any of this. This is what people know that this is good parenting. Because if you ever tried to show abusive parenting as the norm, as the good, as the natural, as the average, which it is, then people would absolutely be absolutely appalled, shocked, and horrified, and the show would never last. Trust me. Look, these, these show executives, they know exactly what they're doing. They test a wide variety of possible storylines. They have focus groups, they have test audiences, they really, really try and figure out what people want to see. And I bet you, I guarantee you, they explored this kind of stuff uh, of a parent uh, yelling at the child and everyone was like, oh my God, I don't want to see that. That's awful, that's terrible. And then of course they'd go and scream at their own kids, blah, 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 right? So uh, parents, 
modern parents, adult parents, even grandparents to a large degree, they know exactly what peaceful parenting looks like because they demanded it from their television shows. They demanded it from their musicals. They demanded it from their plays. They demanded it from their movies, and they would accept nothing else. Now, you will, that's not to say you never see abusive people in these movies. I remember seeing Kindergarten, no, not Kindergarten Cop. Was it Kindergarten Cop? No. Gosh, what was it? Some movie with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger where he goes to become a teacher and some kid's being abused and he beats up the father or the stepdad or whatever it is, right? He beats him up. So yeah, you'll see abusive people, but they get violently punished. You'll see abusive parents, but they get violently punished, right? There was a movie um, of the black mom and the precious was the kid. I can't remember the name of it. I never watched it, but yeah, pretty kindergarten cop, right? Now, so, now, married with children, though, married with children was nihilistic, and the parents weren't portrayed as good, and the parents weren't, you still never saw the children being hit. You saw lazy parenting, you saw negative parenting, you saw nihilistic parenting, but the parents were portrayed as much worse than usual. This was not considered to be model parenting, and the kids, while they may have been somewhat insulted, it was in a funny way, they weren't verbally abused, and they were never hit. No spanking in Married with Children. And Al Bundy, I mean, the guy's named after a serial killer, for God's sakes. He was never supposed to be. And, and Peggy was the wife's name with the giant dolphin mouth, <laughs> right? So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty clear, right? Pretty clear. All right. Okay, so listen, um, it's not a tumor. <laughs> Al Bundy always did his best under terrible circumstances. Uh, I loved your rebuttals against the Young Turks. Don't feed the libertarian trolls. Another post. Will you do a video of your Wikipedia? Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. So, well, Al Bundy also was a, a warning scenario, right? Because he was, he was a warning scenario for young men. Because he was a football star. He had a big future. He married the wrong woman. And he ended up as a shoe salesman, right? So this was a you know pretty red pill, almost like a uh, a MGTOW thing, or at least a he he was a giant scare flag of here's what happens if you if you succumb to your sex drive, have sex with the wrong woman, get her pregnant, get married young, this is going to be your life. So he was a a warning character for young men and probably saved a lot of young men from saying, well, I don't want to end up like Al Bundy. So, right. So this is, um, uh, it was never, it was never prescribed as a good way to live as a positive thing. Nobody sat there and said, well, I learned everything about parenting and I'm proud of it from married with children, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Right. So anyway, yeah, he was in a template of what not to become. Right. So, all right. Well, thanks, everyone. I really, really appreciate it. A great pleasure. I've really listened and made notes of uh, ideas that you want me to do more of, more TV reviews, more movie reviews, and all of that. I will definitely do that. I appreciate that. But then I have to let you in on my watching and listening habits. I do have a show coming out with my daughter, uh, every Disney cliche that we've ever seen and our analysis of them, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Look for that over the next couple of days. Have yourselves a wonderful week. Please check out the crypto roundtables, the investment roundtables. Not advice. But pretty damn useful. Me and my wife love you, Steph. You saved both our lives. Never forget. Good night. Thank you guys so much. I really, really appreciate that. It's a great honor to get these kinds of uh, to get this kind of feedback. It means the world to me. Thank you so, so much. Lots of love from up here. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay rational. Lots of love. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>